Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the eSpot. I'm your host, Camille, and I am so excited for you guys to meet my good friend and movie producer, filmmaker, documented. Oh, I was about to get all tongue tied because it's Friday documentary filmmaker, Christopher Everett, who is the creator, the man behind the films, Wilmington on Fire 1 and 2, which is getting ready to drop hopefully soon. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for being my guest. <laughs> How's everything going? It's going well. It's going well. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I must say, I watched Wilmington on Fire again because I knew I was getting ready to have you on. And I mean, it's just heartbreaking, everything that happened to that happened in Wilmington and so on. So how did you first hear about, let me back up. How did you first get into filmmaking? Well, I kind of got into it, I would say years ago. Um, I kind of got into it more behind, you know, in front of the camera, actually. Uh, you know, I was doing some, some acting work back in the day, you know, back when I was all in shape. I'm trying to get back to that, you know, <laughs> but I started doing you know, film stuff, doing acting and modeling in a lot of independent films and commercials. And I made the move to Atlanta. You know, I felt like I wanted to try to take my career to the next level. And Atlanta was just up and coming at the time. And I said, you know, why not? Let me try. Let me try it out. Um, things didn't work out. And I decided to, you know, start my own you know, film company and try to start telling the stories that I've always wanted to tell. You know, whether there were documentaries, features, shorts, narrative. Um, and that's how I kind of got into it and just a lot of trial and error, you know, learning, you know, while creating, so to speak, and just um, doing a lot of free internships for a lot of folks as well. Um, that's how I kind of got started with this whole thing. Okay. Now, um, what kind of internships did you start with? Like, who did, were you shadowing with the idea of wanting to become a director, producer? It just was just kind of filling out where you felt. Yeah, just trying to figure out. Okay. Yeah, just trying to figure out, you know, where where my skill set was, you know what I'm saying? Because like I was coming from in front of the camera, so I didn't know whether I wanted to write, direct, produce, edit, be a cinematographer. I didn't know. So I just wanted to kind of learn a lot about the different aspects of putting a, a great project together. So I would just, you know, shadow like film students, um, people that I know that wouldn't mind me being on set and just shadowing them and working for free. You know, I wasn't able to get into celebrity's face or nothing like that or a well-known film person so it was just like a lot of like independent other independent filmmakers um that's who i kind of shadowed and kind of learned under and studied under well there's been so much stuff going on this week with uh, with all the different things that's going on with like george lucas the police and just a lot of protests and different things and right. i just felt like your movie was so timely with, with everything that's going on, because it was, I mean, you have a few films actually that would be so timely to talk about, even with the act of yeah. protest, but like, yeah. it's, like um, it's just the, the irony of when I booked you, I had no idea this week was gonna have all of this yeah. turmoil going on. And you did so much studying with prepping for Wilmington on Fire, and I'm sure for active protests as well. Yeah. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about everything that's going on, especially being a black man, like how are you feeling going through all of this? Like, 
Yeah. As much as I want to talk entertainment, yeah. the thing is you can't really be a good entertainer if you don't have your own emotions, your own investment, your own life to right. live. And so I'm sure this is a heavy time for you as it is for everyone that's American right now. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's crazy right now because uh, even even myself, you know, my cousin, I had a cousin that actually died in the hands of the police in 2007. Um, and in Newport News, Virginia, he was killed by a cop. And, you know, we protested, we marched and everything. Yeah. And the, the cop ended up getting off and he actually got a promotion a few years later. Um, so, yeah, so I'm very familiar, you know, with this type of, with this so type of thing. I'm so sorry, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and I've experienced, you know, run-ins with, with the police as well. Even, I think my first run-in with the police was when I was 13 years old and just jogging in my neighborhood. Cause I was, you know, I was playing a lot of sports as a kid and always wanted to try to stay in, you know, tip top shape. And so I'm just jogging in my neighborhood and out of nowhere, two cop cars just come out of nowhere and just harass me. Um, kept me there for a couple of hours, asking me different questions, calling other cops and I'm just 13, you know, a kid. So that was kind of like my first taste of what this whole, you know, system is all about. Oh, that's hard and How did your parents yeah, so a lot of that? This, like, it was just they just they just didn't know, um, you know, what to do. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I just kind of just brushed it off. And but you never forget those type of things. Absolutely and, not. Yeah. So it's like what I'm seeing now. I'm, you know, I'm glad that a lot of folks are really standing up, you know, about this this topic and this issue. And I think we all need to rally behind that. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, just from all of the different things that you've been studying and even firsthand experience with it, with your cousin, as well as your run-ins with the police. Yeah. What do you think moving forward needs to be done? Cause I feel like even with, if it's not even like with policy, cause obviously we need to vote, we need to get involved on a local level, but I right. feel like Hollywood has for so long tried to change the narrative. And this is an opportunity to change the narrative again, or even right. put a spotlight on things that really matter with hopes of actually changing America to be the melting pot that, right. and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. What, right. what do you think about that? What, is, what are your thoughts? I definitely think it's, um, you know, Hollywood, the whole entertainment industry, um, I think needs to be on alert and wanting to do something because you know, in a, the entertainment industry, we create the culture. Uh, we create the the whole culture of what society is. You know, artists are the key, really, to this whole thing. And it needs to be a for, on on every front, whether it's artists, musicians, um, actors, directors, writers. We all need to come on one accord and really create the culture and the climate for change. And we can do that through our artwork. And I think everything else, you know, will really take care of itself. But I think that's the entertainment industry's responsibility. You know, that's what I'm trying to do, even just on a small local level um, with my own film company and also trying to distribute other works, really highlight these issues as well. Now, let's talk about some of these other works that you have in that you're working on and some that are already in the can. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what you're working on currently? Or yeah. Like, Cause you know, we're running out of Netflix or excuse me, root flicks as well. And, um, the new, you just told me the street, I don't want to butcher it cause I'm really bad at pronouncing Oh yeah. Quelle so TV. Quelle, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so can you share with us some of the different projects you're working on and where yeah. we can watch them? Cool. Well, right now you can watch Wilmington on fire, 
Um, you can watch that right now, um, streaming on Vimeo On Demand and also Quelle TV. Quelle TV is a Black-owned streaming service um, as well. They've been around for about four years. Great streaming service. They have a plethora of films on there, documentaries, features, shorts, the whole nine. You know, quality content, you know what I'm saying, across the diaspora. So they have stuff from Africa, the Caribbean, um, here in the United States, Canada, all over. You know, black films, quality content. So definitely check them out. Um, so you can go to WilmingtonOnFire.com and check out both of those um, right there. And also purchase the DVD if you're still a DVD person. You know, we have those too. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I am. I'm a like, like, oh, okay, good. Because I was like, I, I, that hurt. I, I could feel it. I could feel it. Are you trying to talk about me? <laughs> well, some people, yeah. yeah. So, some people don't do it, you know, but I do. Yeah. I, like, I like having, you know. Me too. Whenever I get, um, that's the main reason. Well, not the, no, that's the main reason I pay my SAG dues is to get the, get all the movies so I can watch right. over over and over again. I just right. re um, reinstalled my DVD slash VHS yeah. player because I found some old videotapes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they still work. So yeah, yeah. I'm right there. <laughs> but yeah, like so <laughs> so we got that. You know, we got Wilmington on fire. It's still doing its thing. Uh, we actually got a screening coming up June 25th, and we're gonna do a virtual screening of Wilmington on fire. Where Plus, can people do that? Where like yeah. where is that gonna be? So just go to sure. you know we haven't launched it yet, but the, oh, okay. the, the website is blk docs.com so blackdocs.com oh i just follow that on instagram yeah okay. yeah so that's us so we're going to have the actual site up like next week but that's the okay. uh that's the domain so we're going to have the site up there with the film but we're not going to launch it to so you can't you can't watch it until the 25th but we have the info okay. up there where you know you can get tickets and everything and also we're going to debut the first trailer for wilmington on fire chapter two as well you know that's in the works you know we've been filming that for about a year now and we're going to start production with that again i would say about august september really depends on the COVID 19 and how that's looking you know because first and foremost we want the, the the crew and the subjects to be be safe and right. to be healthy that's right. my first always is that so hopefully in august september we can get back to that also filming grandmaster it's a martial arts documentary as well about Grandmaster Vic Moore, a martial arts pioneer from the 60s. And we're about 80% done with that. We should be done with that by the end of the year. And we should be starting again, filming that in August, September. It really depends on COVID. Okay. So we have to look out for his you know, health as well, but he's getting up there in age, he's 77. And so we have to really be precautious with that. And also we have a film called As an Act of Protest, which we're actually going to finally be releasing um, next month, the end of next month, July, finally. And we're going to, we plan on doing an actual online screening, okay. probably the beginning that weekend of July, probably okay. that 4th of July weekend or the weekend after. But people can go to spellerstreet.com and we'll have all that stuff up there and people can register for email updates or text updates on that site as well. But as an act of protest, is a very timely film. Uh, we've, yeah, we got the rights to it a couple of years ago and we've done screenings, you know, throughout North, North Carolina and New York, but the film is about an actor, um, Cairo Medina, it's a narrative film. And this actor pretty much goes through this journey of the cross type of mission of being an actor, being a, a theater actor and wanting to change society and his community 
um, through, through his plays, him and his friend, who actually is the theater director. And he sees that it's not gonna happen because his brother was killed like a few years prior to him becoming a full-time actor. And he thinks that acting can really liberate you know, African-American people and change society for the better and, and have an end to racism. But he sees that it's not working. And so at the end of the film, he actually takes it in his own hands and kills the mayor's son and gets away with it. And so the message of the film is that until America really deals with its, this disease of racism called racism, there are gonna be many, there's gonna be people like that, like that character Cairo happened again and again until America really comes to the terms with ending racism. And that film really caught a lot of you know grief when he first tried to come out with it in 2000, when it actually got banned. Oh, wow. um, yeah, in New York, because right when he tried to release it, two weeks later, 9-11 happened. And New York wasn't trying to have that, that type of message um, out there in the society at that time. So the film kind of you know went on the festival circuit, did pretty well, but then just died off. And it kind of resurfaced back in 2014, 2015, when you saw a, an uptick of police brutality cases starting to happen with Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, and a lot of people remembered that film and wanted to do screenings and that kind of gave it new life. And so I know I'm good friends with the director. I said, man, you see what I'm doing with Wilmington on Fire? I'm trying to start Speller Street Films and also to do distribution. I would love to, to do something with this project because I think it's very timely and people need to see it. And it's a lot of good messages with it. And he was down with it. And like I said, that was two years ago. And you see what's going on right now. The same thing again. It feels like a never-ending cycle. Exactly, exactly. So I said, yeah. Exactly. So I said, man, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get it out. Um, you know, I've been very patient with releasing it because actually we had a couple of screenings coming up overseas, but they got canceled because of COVID nineteen. Actually, the film got accepted into two uh, film archives, cinema archives, one in Paris and one in Cuba, and we we're going to do two big screenings there and then release the film. But since those screenings didn't happen, we're going to actually just do it, you know, next month and do some free online events, some free panel events with some of the cast and crew and the director, and then put it out for digital and, and limited edition DVD. Okay, don't forget to send me those links so I can promote I will. it because you definitely. know I like you know I love free.com. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I <laughs> love watching definitely. your films. No, yeah, I love definitely. watching your films. And you know, we got another yeah. joint um oh, that great. stars uh you know, it's in development. You know, we're okay. still doing fundraising and getting finance together. But it's a feature film called I Don't Live Today. And um it's about a it's a narrative as well that we're gonna shoot in New York. And it's about a struggling abstract, a black abstract artist in New York, his last night in New York City, and him kind of coming to terms with his own demons that he's kind of kept at bay for so long. And we have Orlando Jones, he's going to do the voiceover. For whoa, 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 so, my yeah. Orlando Jones? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we're working with Orlando. You know, we're doing something out here. I noticed you, um, you and, well, I won't say your name on, but yeah, I noticed that you were, we had some mutual friends also. I was like, wait, I wonder how they know each other. Yeah, we do business, we do business together. I'm so, so yeah. Glad. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna bless he's us. He's gonna with put that. some Mr. Nancy on it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm very oh, excited. Oh, can't wait. Oh, very that's excited. gonna be amazing, Christopher. Yeah, yeah, so I can't believe you're now telling me this. Oh my God, we work on so much. We work on. We work on. We work on. We got so much going on. You know, we yeah. got that. And also, um, 
the my one brother that's him. the <laughs> <I'm sorry>. the, <laughs> the one brother the one yeah. brother that that's the star um Shinazi Shinaza Uche he uh people want to see his work he's a phenomenal actor he's um he's in this film called Nigerian Prince on Amazon you can watch it on Amazon and he's going to be the lead character um, of Robeson in the film so we're very excited we got a, a hell of a cast um you know we're just still getting some some last minute financing together and hopefully next year we can start filming and so I'll definitely keep you up to date with that once we get the, the financing aspect straight with it. But I'm very excited about that project. It's a narrative film and, you know, I can't wait. It's a great story, great cast. So I can't wait. You know, since you brought up fundraising a few times and I feel a lot of people, much like myself, right. don't really know how to do that, how to go about <laughs> getting funding or finding ways to raise money for making films and for maybe some of the people who are out there who are interested in either making their own documentary or even a right. narrative film, right. what advice would you give them as far as making fundraising. that happen, finding the funds? Oh. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Like I know what, it's what, not your friends. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is with me is that yeah. even with, you're going to have to get through your first film on your own. I'm telling you that now. Um, and that's, no one told me that I had to learn the hard way. Now, I wish someone would have told me that going into it, but you have to get your first film out of the way first. Wilmington on Fire, I pretty much did that myself um, through crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is a great tool. Um, you know, that's where you can galvanize not only your family and friends, but other people out there in social media that you don't even know that really want to contribute to this, the, the type of story you're trying to tell. And it's a great way to build audience and get money at the same time. And that's how we were able to... Um, really grow our audience with Wilmington on Fire. And now, those what do you folks, mean by crowdfunding? Oh, crowdfunding is yeah. pretty much like you have different platforms. You have Seed and Spark, you got okay. Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. Um, but, these platforms, <laughs> but these platforms, um, they were started you know, by folks who didn't have access to, to money, to capital. So they decided, hey, let's create this, this crowdfunding model of community, community fundraising, where we, wanna, we got a project, we got a film, we're trying to raise $10,000 to shoot it. And we're going to galvanize um, our community of, of, of followers and supporters and other people who might have an interest in the subject matter or just like us, you know, they just like our story. Um, and that way you can just reach people and offer and also offer them some type of reward or incentive for okay. to your project. Like say if somebody give you $10, you know, they can get a, a special shout out on your social media. If somebody give you $20, they can get a copy of the DVD before it's released. You know what I'm saying? So you're giving like people cool incentives and rewards um, for their contribution instead of just a straight, give me some money to donate. You know, they're actually getting something, you know, for their, their contribution and donation, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a cool model. Um, a lot of films have been funded. I funded quite a few of my films um, using this model. I'm going to continue to do so because not only is it cool to raise money, but also to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. about your film and also build audience because even people with Wilmington on Fire, I still got people that donated to my Kickstarter campaign back in 2012 that still follow the film to this day. And they talk about it. Even they'll come to my screen and say, man, I remember you were fundraising for this thing and I gave you a hundred dollars and, you know, I'm still supporting you. So people, you know, it's bringing people along with you on that journey that really, that people really kind of gravitate towards projects on when you're doing crowdfunding, because people like to take that journey with you and they like to be a part of your story, you know, and that's, and that's what it's all about. But funding, just doing your first project and try to do it for low as possible 
is, is the key. And then after you get that first project, the opportunity is going to come to you. Because after I finished Wilmington on Fire, people started reaching out to me. People that, come, that came to my screenings actually wanted to invest in my other projects, you know, but they'll say, hey. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, because you never know who's coming to your screening. You know, people with money don't wear, you know, a badge around, you know, their neck saying I got money. <laughs> so you never know. I'll take my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you never know who's coming to your screenings. I know one guy, he uh, he became an investor in some of our projects. He came to the screen, couple of screenings and I didn't know who he was, but he was this big tech, this tech guy, had a whole bunch of money. And he said, man, the film really, your film, Wilmington on Fire, really changed my life. And it made me really see that, you know, I could be doing a little bit more. And I see what, what people are really going through now after watching your film. And I heard you talk about you want to do a part two to this thing. I want to give you some money to get it going. You know, so you know, so that's how it happens sometimes. And people want to, you know, they want to say, hey, Chris, I hear you doing part two. I have a venue. Let's do a fundraiser. You know what I'm saying? You can use my venue for free. We'll help promote it. And all the proceeds will go towards, you know, you filming your Grandmaster Project or Wilmington on Fire too. We get those type of offers all the time. And so, like I said, do a quality project and also get out there with it and let people know who you are and know your story and where you're trying to go. The money's going to come. The money is going to come. But you also have your, your standard traditional routes, such as grants. You know, I'm, I'm finally doing that now too. I, I really hate doing grants i've actually got to do one tonight 300 actually. pages oh, yeah, i got to yeah. do one i got to i got one that's due um sunday so i got to finish one up tonight and i hate them well, but man, that's still a good you. right and a lot of times after you yeah. finish your first film getting a grant is easier too i couldn't get any grants for wilmington on fire mm -hmm. at all but you people are starting to come around now this time around because they saw that what the first one did they saw they see his audience there and they see it, I'm going to actually do what I'm going to do with my money, with the money I get. And that's another thing. People have to, you have to build a trust. Now, people have to build a trust with you, uh, first and foremost, because, you know, they just don't want to just give anybody, you know, money and they just don't do what they say they're going to do with it. You, know, you got you to put yourself in their shoes, too. Like, are you going to give me $10,000, you know, without some hesitation? Uh, yeah, no. no. <laughs> see what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, <laughs> I was going to bring up, I had a movie producer director on here, Maya Table, and she was telling me how she gave money to Hair Love and just got an EP credit for it. Right. So sometimes it's just getting an IMDB oh, credit. Yeah. And, those, and those are the incentives. Those are the incentives. Um, she that did you that for get. Hair Love. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Cherry's joint. Yeah, because mm -hmm. he had a Kickstarter um, doing that. And you can, you can do all type of incentives, like executive producer credit, producer credit, VIP, um, when when we do the um, premiere you can you know have those type of incentives autograph we're doing a thing we're going to do a crowdfunding campaign soon for grandmaster okay. uh, we're going to do that probably next month end of next month and we're going to do things like you get a, a certain at a certain incentive you get to do an online class uh, with grandmaster vic moore one of the, the greatest okay. martial artists of all time if you want to do a class you're going you're to be able to do it with them for a certain level and also some auto, you know, autograph um, pictures signed by him, you know, all type of cool things, you know, different autograph memorabilia things and, you know, copies of the film, you know, all that type of cool stuff that you can um, get, you know, doing crowdfunding. And it really all depends on the, the, the things you want to give, you know, to your audience as well, to make it an experience. Right, oh, that's fantastic. Now, 
So you did the crowdfunding to get Wilmington on fire. Well, you didn't. You had to do it all yeah, on, both. Pretty much on yourself with Wilmington on the fire. It was a little bit of both. It was like, you know, when I first did it, um, I was in a very peculiar situation. When I first started, I got laid off <laughs> from my job one. So I had to make a decision. I was like, man, I, was, I had just got the idea down to do it. And I was living in Atlanta during the time. Okay. And I said, you know what? This film is based in North Carolina. I'm going to have to go to North Carolina a lot. Forget it. I'm going to give my apartment and move back to North Carolina, move with my grandparents. So I made a decision just to sacrifice and use my unemployment money and use my savings that I had. And we got the ball rolling. And as soon as I did that, I was able to get other people involved um, with the film that kind of helped me in the process and gave the project some some validity as well. And we did a small crowdfunding campaign and raised about three grand. And that helped us finish shooting everything we needed, all the footage. But then, you know, what people don't tell you, you need money for post-production as well. But this was my first film. And I was like, oh, man, I need money to edit this thing. And I didn't know all the stuff that went in, like editing, coloring, sound mixing, the score, you know, deliverables, all that stuff, the um, closed captioning. You got to get the stuff transcribed for closed captions. I didn't know that, you know. So I had to do all this stuff. I just didn't have the money. And then out the blue, um, you know, you never know who's really watching you either. Oh, and I love this story. I just remember. Yeah, you never know who's watching. So out All the right. blue, an NBA player hits me up. Um, David West, he's retired now. Um, people might have known him from the uh, Golden State Warriors from their last two championships. Um, he was on the, that team. And he's a retired NBA player now. But he was actually following the film. And he reached out to me to get a DVD. And I said, man, the film's not done yet. But when it's done, I'll let you know. And I'll, I'll send you a copy, you know, on the house. And he said, well... How much do you need to get this thing done? And I said, well, you know, I need X amount. He said, well, let's talk about it. And so, you know, it was back and forth with me and his business manager. And then I met him when they came to Charlotte to play the Charlotte team. You know, they got me a good ticket to see the, see the Hornets, you know, nice seats. Yes. And so, I, you know, I saw the game. And then that was my first time even going to a game, a professional game. Hey, I and just went this past winter. My girlfriend took me for my yeah. birthday. So. Yeah. So that was cool, you know, doing that. And, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm all nervous yeah. and everything. I'm like, oh, man, oh, wow. I can't mess this up. This is right. opportunity. I just don't, don't say nothing stupid. Don't mess this up. Just be cool. And, you know, so I did it. And he, he loved my ideas. He loved what I was trying to do. And he said, man, I'm going to give you this and let's do a partnership together. And that's what we did. And the rest is history. Um, before I move on, I just want to make sure because there was a question. Yeah. Where where will Grandmaster be filmed? Rondo is asking. Oh, it's um it's a documentary. It's you know we we're still filming. And let me put the uh. Can I, what I location? Can't put it in there. It's in North. Oh, you can tell. Yeah, me. North Carolina. Okay. It's um it's we got we got a Facebook page up. Um, it's GM Documentary. You can just um look that up on Facebook. Like Facebook.com/slash GM Documentary. And uh, we got the trailer, you know, behind the scenes stills. They can check it out. But it's, it's filmed mostly in North Carolina. He's based in North Carolina. and But he's originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. But we've, we've been filming most of it here in North Carolina. We're actually going to go to Cincinnati in September to film a couple of his old uh, former students. And they're going to show us where the old dojo used to be at um, back in the day where he used to teach up there and, you know, some of the stuff. So they got some old photos, old video from back in the day, because he, he's from the old school of karate, where you just didn't give anybody a black belt or any belt. You really had to earn it. And a lot of and that's what we're gonna touch about, touch on in this film, is that a lot of people, you know, think that 
you know, karate is just this easy thing. It kind of blew up with the whole Bruce Lee. I call it the Bruce Lee effect. Uh, when Bruce Lee came on the scene, he really made it popular, martial arts. And then you saw this explosion of people, just anybody open up a karate school or martial arts school. But actually, it watered down martial arts because people really wasn't teaching it um, the right way. And so you start seeing a lot of people that are black belts. They really shouldn't even be a black belt. They should be like a white or a yellow, honestly. And he can actually, people come to him around the country to get their certification to make sure that they're really legit. And he could tell just of how you breathe, how you punch a certain way, how you stand that you're not really ready to be a black belt. And we really want to show that. Cause like back then it wasn't no money in doing martial arts. You really, you know, shed some blood and, and some other thing to get your black belt back in those days. So they were very strict. And so we're going to talk to some of his old students that were from that old school era about that, that toughness and strictness that you had to do to go through a, a Grandmaster Vic Moore um, training session. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now, let's get back to Woman Down on Fire. I want to yeah. show the trailer real quick. So okay. I'm going to disappear. So you're the big picture in here. They say the Cape Fear River was full of bloody black bodies that day, that black people couldn't find their way, that black men died from gunshots in their backs, that black women ran to the swamps across the tracks, that very smart and bold black men were put on the train and given a free ride out of town where they were told to remain. They say that the dead bodies were left in the streets, the foul smell was so strong that buzzards circled for weeks, that black babies cried and moaned for their fathers and a bite to eat, that black folks lost all their savings and were left helpless and beat. It had to be done, said the white people who started it. They loved their town until the blacks tried to change it. They took over the city to restore their heritage, they said. They were heroes to many who wanted uppity folks dead. Some folks still don't see anything wrong with what they did, or that any harm was done to the ones who ran and hid. Serious damage was done to the soul of the town. That's why folks want to turn it around. Now is the time to make up for the crime, to help our children learn from our mistake, to ensure that there will be no more 1898. Blanking on his name, the guy that was doing the poetry just now. How did oh, Larry, Larry Thomas? Larry Thomas, thank you. How did you guys come about? Like, how did you meet all the different people that are involved in Wilmington on Fire? Well, I met Larry. Larry Thomas was the first person I actually reached out to when I wanted to okay. put this project together. Um, you know, he's known around Wilmington as Mr. 1898. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he's the man you go to because he's been on, he's been on this stuff for years about the 1898 massacre and stuff like that for years, even before it became kind of, you know, well known and popularized. 
Um, so I, re, I was on Google when I first started um, putting this project together and figure out who I wanted to have in it. Um, I just went on Google and typed in the Wilmington Massacre and his name came up, saw that he had a couple of clips on YouTube and I reached out to him, emailed him, said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I would love for you to be involved. Let's link up, let's talk, let's chat. I'd love to pick your brain. And he was down with it. And we've been rocking with each other ever since. Um, and he's also in a great, another great film. If people want to check it out, it's on Netflix. Now it's called, um, I, it's called I Called Him Morgan. And it's about, um, it's like a murder mystery uh, documentary. It's about um, Helen Morgan, who was married to late jazz legend, um, Lee Morgan. He was a jazz trumpeter. And she actually killed him as well. So it's like a murder mystery documentary. And how Larry got involved with the film, he actually interviewed Helen Morgan years ago, right before she died. And they actually, in the, the documentary, they use Larry's um, audio recording to kind of narrate the whole film. And it's very cool because you hear this whole story being narrated by her and her voice, even though she's dead. And how they put it together is real cool. So they also feature Larry in the film as well about when he met her and when he, you know, sat down and interviewed her as well. So it's a great film. Check it out. And yeah, Larry's in that one. Because so I remember when they were filming that, we were actually filming Wilmington on Fire at the same time. Because I would film him, and then he would say, man, next week I got these guys coming from Sweden. They're filming for this jazz documentary. And so I remember when he was actually filming that, we were actually doing both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's a great film. People want to check that out. Now, what was Larry's connection to 1898? Was he a descendant of it or just a historian that just loves Wilmington history or you know well he's originally he's originally from Wilmington born and okay. raised and um you know so and he's always been an activist and a historian as well so he's always heard the stories of the 1898 massacre and and also just growing up in Wilmington during that time especially during the civil rights movement you know he was head on in it and so he real he saw the racism and the stuff you know in Wilmington during that time and he always wanted to know well why did how did Wilmington become this way? And so he started doing his own research and found out about 1898. And so when he went to college, he wrote his thesis paper about that, about the 1898 massacre and the Wilmington 10 as well, and just the history of racism um, in Wilmington and the whole racial aspect in Wilmington. So he actually wrote that as a thesis and then just came out with a thesis, his thesis paper that he did in college and turned it into a book. And, you know, he sells it, you know, right now as well. If people want to get a copy of it. Yeah. What's the name of the book? I'll put it in the um, The book is called The True Story, The True Story Behind the Wilmington 10. Sorry, I'm not as fast when I'm trying to spell correctly. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> okay. The True Story Behind the Wilmington 10. Okay. By Larry Thomas, right? Yeah. Yeah, Larry Thomas. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, you know, Larry is gonna be definitely he's heavily featured in part two to Wilmington okay. on Fire. Okay. Um and we're actually doing it how we're doing the next two installments. We're filming chapter two and chapter three at the same time. Okay. Um chapter two is the trailer that we'll be debuting next month when we show Wilmington on Fire online. But Wilmington on Fire Chapter 2 is going to deal with the whole thing of reparations. Um, and, you know, the reason why I'm doing it on that specifically for Chapter 2 is because reparations has been a, a big topic in, in, in discussion since like last year. And luckily last year, you know, they had a congressional hearing 
on reparations in Washington, Washington D.C. And they had a whole bunch of big folks there. You know, Danny Glover, um, Tanaisi Coates, um, also Dr. Julianne Malvo um, spoke as well. And she actually gave us a shout out. She told people to watch Wilmington on Fire. And you can I go to my. Are you posting that? <laughs> yeah. So she's going to yeah. be in part two as well. We're going to film her in a few months. So it's going to be the film is really going to center around Larry mostly because he has been one of the only ones has been fighting this crusade of compensation and reparations for the black community in Wilmington. So we're going to follow his journey and the the stuff he's been doing um, even more. And also we're going to have people like Dr. Malvo giving her insight. Also professors uh, William Darity, who currently has a book out right now about reparations. He was in the first Wilmington on fire. He's going to come back for the second go around. And we're also going to have Dr. Lewin Manley, who was in the first one as well. He's a direct descendant of um, Alex Manley. Um, Alex Manley was the uh, the black newspaper editor whose newspaper building was burned down during the massacre. And if anybody see any pictures about the 1898 massacre, you always see these white guys standing in front of a burned down building. That was his grandfather's um, newspaper press that was burned down. So he's going to come back um, for part two as well. And we're going to talk about his his fight for reparations as well um, for the community and him going around using the film to help educate folks. He was already doing that, but now he has a visual to show people now with the film and show what his grandfather lost and also just the black community as a whole in Wilmington as well. And chapter three is going to be Wilmington today and people in Wilmington today who are doing the, the groundwork of trying to make that change to really make Wilmington an equal place and uh, uh, that, that the unified place like it was prior to 1898. So we have, we're going to have several folks in Wilmington today to do that. Yeah, that's the, that's the article. Yeah, that's the, the building right there. That, that was his grandfather's newspaper building right there. Just a shame just yeah. thinking about how it was a community that was prospering and they were um, able to live you know, like there was black and whites living together and like even in the movie it was just talking about how there would be a black business next to a white business and a black and they all were getting along and just one little thing and everything's gone yeah. yep I won't spoil it because you should see the movie. <laughs> it's definitely one of those you need yeah, to see the movie. <laughs> Wilmington on fire.com. Like I said, um, chapter two is going to be great. It's going to be crazy. Um, two is going to be great. Three is going to be great because we're doing both at the same time. And then right after that, we're going to do a spinoff. You know, I'm keeping that on the, on the wraps, but it's a spinoff um, from the whole Wilmington story. But it ties in with it, but it's a, a totally different story in itself. And then I'm going to be done with documentaries for a while. <laughs> you're like enough is enough with the history i'm going to move the story forward i just yeah. have one more question about women down fire because when i was watching it again i noticed something that was kind of creepy and scary and want yeah. to know if you've heard anything new about it um i don't remember his name and i meant to write it bring it down with me because i'm bad with names but um he was talking about at the library in wilmington he would hear his family whoever yeah. talking very horribly but there was like a secret democrat group that still exists apparently that's yeah. involved behind the scenes politically and it's still legal it's still on the paperwork here in north carolina and i was curious if there's any new information about that that still does really exist has there has there been yeah. anything else more about it 
Oh well, yeah, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on it um, in okay. part two as well with him, with Ken Chatfield, who's in the film. We've already filmed all his stuff. Ken Chatfield, that's yeah. We okay. we've already filmed all his stuff, so his stuff is locked and loaded. Uh, we he just got to finish. Great storyteller too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He um. So we got his stuff already, and it's going to be great information. And you know, we're going to dive more into that because a lot of people don't realize that. You know, he's talking about the white government union, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know. You know, the white government union was kind of like that uh, that political arm that kind of ushered in a lot of this white supremacy movement back then. Um, but also, people don't realize that a lot of people there were involved in the white government union and also that Democratic Party back then and also this white supremacy movement back then, a lot of them after the massacre, a lot of them got involved in creating what is now called the North Carolina Bar Association. Uh, was created like a year after the 1898 massacre by some of the same people that did the massacre, actually. Um, George Roundtree was one of those guys um, who was one of the founders of the Bar Association. And he was one of the main people behind the 1898 massacre. And so when people want to know why our laws, especially in North Carolina, are antiquated. Are, yeah, it, it ties rightly into what happened with 1898. And the same people who started the North Carolina Bar Association, you know, lawyers, and, you know, they used the law to solidify a lot of this stuff. Um, it was those folks. They, they, they're the people that started the whole North Carolina Bar Association to begin with, a year after the massacre. So that's where really the white government union is pretty much kind of, it, it exists within that system. This thing is a system mm -hmm. and they built this system, you know, after they did the 1898 massacre, they built this system, especially in North Carolina, um, of using the law and to, to their advantage and X, you know, and just pretty much Xing out, you know, African American progress, and still to this day, and we have to change a lot of this stuff because a lot of times they don't know where this stuff originated from. It originated, especially here in North Carolina, originated really from that event um, with this whole problem we have, especially here in North Carolina. And so, until we change that and come to terms with that, it's not going to change. Are there any plan? Or is there any legislation or anything that you guys are in the works with? trying to get that changed or even drawing more attention to it? Yeah, we've been, you know, we've, uh, and hopefully, you know, the second film can push that a little bit more because that's another thing that we have in the second part because a lot of people don't know that they tried to push some bills back in 2006 and we're going to highlight that in part two okay. is that, you know, the NAACP and other folks really tried to push legislation um, behind the 1898 massacre and the effects of it because, you know, they had did this big report, the state of North Carolina did a, a race riot report. And we actually have the lady who wrote the report in the first film, Larray Umfleet. And what they did when they wrote the report and saw all this stuff that happened that a lot of people didn't know about that actually happened and how it led to all this um, <clears throat> inequality in North Carolina because of it. They decided to come up with a series of bills, recommendations to go to the House and stuff like that in the General Assembly. None stuff got passed. Uh, one of the things was to give a production company uh, $500,000 to do what I did, a film that never passed. They could just give that money to me. Um, but, <laughs> so oh, we can do these. Uh, yeah, because we got two I films got coming out. Yeah, yeah, we already yeah. did the first one ourselves. Right, right. 500000 we'll do like four more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so that's one thing they tried to do. It didn't pass. Another thing was they wanted to implement the education about 1898 into the school curriculum, K through 12. That didn't happen. Um, they also wanted to create like a traveling um, exhibit 
like a multimedia exhibit where there's art, artifacts, old photos, like a traveling education exhibit to go around North Carolina to educate folks about this. That didn't happen. They tried to do like a, some type of reparations bill that would actually give reparations to direct descendants like Dr. Manley mm -hmm. and others who can show what their actual grandparents or great grandparents lost mm -hmm. during the massacre. That didn't happen. They also tried to do a, um, a black, two black business districts in the black areas of Wilmington, the 4th Street area and also the Castle Street area. They wanted to turn these two areas into um, two black business incubators um, to try to galvanize and, and try to bring back, you know, black entrepreneurship um, back to the city. That didn't happen either. It just happened, just gentrification happened. And so none of these things passed um, through. And I have the bills, you know, at my house printed out. And anybody can look them up. Um, they're from like 2007 to 2008. Okay. And so we're going to dive into those bills um, in part two and talk about those things, um, you know, a lot. And so, you know, people just need to know that and really say, hey, you know, talk to their legislature, you know, legislature, say, hey, can you guys bring these bills back? You know, so it's going to, you know, it's going to take an effort. I think the time is now since, you know, we, you know, we're in the activist mode right now and Absolutely. people want to galvanize. So, you know, I plan on trying to try to start pushing more of that out, you know, here, you know, on social media and other networks as well. But we're trying to work with some with some um, lawmakers to really start pushing some things again with that. Well, you got to let us know who you're getting pushback from so we know yeah. who not to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because even on the Democratic side, it's not it's not always yeah. so red and blue sometimes. Uh, another thing I want to mention, too, is that, yeah. you know, when they tried, when none of these bills got passed through, a lot of people probably said, well, that's the Republicans. It wasn't. We had a majority um, Democratic legislature and everything and governor back then. Um, so it was the Democratic Party that wouldn't even pass it to even be in the school curriculum. Same. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and that's and that's another thing with this film is that even though it was the Democratic Party back then that did the massacre because it was a totally two, totally different parties, right. um, but both parties are have been pretty much the same towards African Americans. Um, never really had our best interests at heart. Always left us in a time of when we needed them the most um, as well. And so I always say that we have to really be strong, independent voters. We have to play both sides and then go to both sides and say, hey, what are you going to do for us? And if you're not going to do something that we particularly need, we're not going to vote for you. And we, we can't we can't really play the, the Democratic and Republican game because that's never really worked for us. And 1898 is a prime example because we were Republicans. The Democrats did the massacre. And then after the massacre is over with, we go into the Republican Party for help. And hey, can y'all do something about this? And they left us high and dry. Well, hopefully a lot has changed even from 2006 to now. I have a lot more faith in our governor now and a lot of the different politicians that we have now that are Democrats, but I don't know the Wilmington area because I mean, right now they got that UNC Wilmington professor who's acting a complete fool on Twitter and Facebook and they're not doing anything about that, so. Yeah, I don't have a lot of hope right now for Wilmington. I know we stopped going to Wilmington for a vacation after we saw Wilmington on fire. But now Wilmington is, um, you know, you know, I don't want to talk bad about the no, place. no, not because of but that. It was thing, just like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. oh, but the thing is, now Wilmington <laughs> just felt, like, you know, like Wilmington is like a. Yeah. I guess Wilmington, there's a lot of places though, but yeah. I understand. But but yeah. Wilmington is like you know, it's like a second home to me. 
Okay. Um, but also, you know, I, you know, I also, I just got engaged as well. My girlfriend. <gasps> Congratulations. You might've saw, you might've saw the post. Uh, no, she, I didn't. Yeah, I someone, didn't. yeah. She flashed the ring up, you know, she tagged, oh, you know, we got the post up. Got on my COVID Facebook. married or COVID engaged? Yeah. Congrats. Friday night. Yeah. yeah. So wait, okay. So on a happier note, I guess, tell us a little bit about the proposal. Oh, uh, well, it was, it was dope. It? Yeah. It was a surprise. You know, I was like, you know, okay. nothing's open. So, you know, nothing's open right now. And I'm like, man, I don't know when stuff is going to be open again okay. to do anything cool. I haven't had a haircut in like three months because the barbershop's been closed. You know what I'm saying? No, so, I noticed you had hair. I was like, oh, so it's a choice. No, oh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> so I was like, man, let's, I'm going to do it. You know, so I, I've had the ring for a couple of weeks. I just didn't, just so nervous, you know, when I did it. And, you know, I just told her to come in, you know, told her I love her and, and um, then I had something for her. I pulled out the ring box and she thought I was playing. She was like, don't play with me. That's what we talked about. And so uh, I opened it up, opened the ring, got on one knee and, you know. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, but uh, what I was saying in Wilmington, you know, Wilmington is like a second home. And I've seen a lot of change ever since the film has came out specifically. Okay. And a lot of people have said that. I'm saying that, man, your film has really um, changed a lot in Wilmington for the better. And a lot of people, you know, they come to Wilmington or they see the film and want to come to Wilmington and check out some of the places we talk about and just, you know, go, you know, on the African-American cultural tour um, as well. Cause everybody always hit me up. Wait, wait, back up. There's an African-American cultural tour? Yeah, yeah. A lady by the name of um, um, Isla Speller. I'll send your info. And um, usually when people hit me up, people hit me up all the time. Uh, Cause they'll see the film and say, "Man, I want to go check out Wilmington." You know, after seeing your film, do they have a tour there? And I say, "Yeah, it's a lady. She has a tour. Here's her info. Check her out. She's gotten a lot of business over the um, past four years. Um, just us, you know, promoting her, and um, also in conjunction with the film, because people see the film and they want to see what it's all about, and just see, you know, what was there, and just, you know, see what Wilmington is like today. And it makes you look at Wilmington in a different light once you see the film, but." There's a positive because there are people doing some great things. Um, like I said, um, I love going there. I love um, spending time there. Make great, met, met some great people over the past eight years of just filming and promoting the film as well. So Wilmington has always be, have, a, have a great, a deep place in my heart. Okay. And I see it changing. It was a whole lot worse, but I see it actually changing for the better. Uh, over the past five years, I'm seeing a lot of change. And it, it's a process, but it's getting there. Well, they also don't have dog-friendly hotels because they're <laughs> yeah. dog-friendly, so that's another reason. It's not just, I mean, full disclosure, we can't take our dog there, so <laughs> and my 11-year-old would not want to go on vacation without it. Okay, um, I think I found, did you say there's African-American Heritage Museum of Wilmington? Or no, that- no, no, let me pull it up, let me pull it up. Because okay. I was you. trying to pull it up so I could put it in the comments so people could oh, no. check it out. I got you. I got men. I only saw men's names. So I was like, I don't think that's it. I got you right here. Heritage did, um, In Charleston, South Carolina, we did the Porgy and Best tour. And yeah. it was so informative. Uh, I was just hearing about all the different things that our ancestors had to go through. And right. even the things we did to each other with like the paper bag test with even going what church you could go to or what where you could be buried based on that as well. It's just right. It's a lot. Like there's a lot of things 
for a long time that we've done to each other as well as that has been done to us right to keep us separated and also just to I don't know there's this um, video that's been going around I even posted on my Facebook where this woman is trying to explain what's it like being black in America it's like playing Monopoly and for 400 right. years or 400 turns right. you're working but you can't buy anything you can't get any right. money you can't do right. any of those things you can't own anything and you're doing all right. the work. and then right. the next 50 rounds you're all, you can't live in certain places. You can't vote. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then like now we're at a place where you can maybe kind of, kind of buy places, but we're going to charge you more interest. We're right. going to uh, make it where you're not getting equal pay and just yeah. so many different things that to factor into. And then you put in the fact that even within our community, <laughs> doing things to each other and, or even like just other groups of, um, I hate saying word minorities, but other people of, um, people of color that are just instead of us all as Americans, like coming together and helping each other. And I was watching Rosewood again too, because yeah. um, my father had worked on that. And I didn't realize like, the first time I saw it, I probably didn't read this part, but, or didn't right. click, but there, they did get reparations. Like they yeah, did. They did. I think it was during the, during the Clinton administration, they got right. some form of reparation. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so to hear that Wilmington hasn't done that yet, I feel like that's something that we definitely need to make sure moving forward, not just Wilmington, but even the different places within North Carolina that they Oh, yeah. Across, across the board. Um, I know. Uh, yeah, because we built Duke. And yeah. Yeah. Because, see, I know that's that. And that's one of the reasons why we want to do part two to Wilmington on fire is we want to kind of show how reparations can be done for Wilmington, but also use that model for reparations for black folks across America. Because, you know, you know, Jim Crow, you know, slavery, Jim Crow segregation really stifled um, black progress and black wealth tremendously. Um, you know, Jim, the, the last civil rights bill was like, what, 1968? <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, that's not really a long time. Yeah. And, and, and it depends on what city you was at, too. And when your town or city wanted to act right. So you couldn't really you probably didn't fully integrate to like the mid 70s in some places, <laughs> you know, so. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're really dealing with, with this is this whole thing of generational wealth that was lost and Professor Darity, his book is great, um, about it. He has one of the best books. It's called from here to equality and people can get that book. Now it's a great book. He's in Wilmington on fire as well. It's going to be in part two. Um, it's the book is out now. And if you want to know about why we need reparations and how we can accomplish it, people need to check out that book. Found it on Barnes and Noble. Hold yep. on, I'm gonna put it in the link. Oops, I don't want to share it. Just want to copy. Yeah. Okay. And you people can, and also if they want to hear him speak, him and his wife speak about it, they can go on YouTube and just type in uh, William Darity, and his his lectures and interviews will come up. People will just want to you know hear him. Speak the topic as well. People can do that also. Okay. Ah, Duke Professor. Yeah. Yep. Put that in there as well. Always. Oh my gosh, it's already six fifty-five. Time goes really <laughs> fast when you're having fun. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were just getting started. Like this in high school, I might have made all. No, I didn't make all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this has been great. Um, well, before 
before we lose all the time that's left, um, tell everyone where they can keep up with you, where they can find yeah. everything. Um, I'm going to pull up your Instagram because I feel like that's where you're the most active, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because that's where I'm the most active. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull that up so that people can know to follow you there. Yeah. Well, you know, people can hit me up um, spellerstreet.com. You can go to spellerstreet.com, hit me up. Or I actually, you know, actually people can send me a text as well. If you want to put this text message, uh, people can hit me up directly via text. Um, 910 218. Yeah. 9065. So it's 910. You can give out your real phone number. No, it's not my real phone number. Oh. It's this thing. It's this thing. It's this thing I use called the super phone. It goes to my real phone number. Oh, okay. Yeah, but people can still hit me up directly. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And, and they got a question about anything. Also, if they want to find out how to get a direct link to some of my stuff, I can send them that too. Okay, so, so, yeah. 910 218 Yes, 9065. Yeah, that's I it. I had a 910 number. That's why I was like, oh, you're giving out your real number? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it connects to my real number. You know what I'm saying? But if people call it, it's going to give them like a, voicemail of me just telling them to text me so yeah so people got any questions after this or because like I, I mentor filmmakers all the time as well because somebody might be out there say hey i got an idea i want to try this um can you schedule some time for us to chat on zoom or something i'm down you know this COVID 19 thing kind of keeps me uh you know i can you know share some information some knowledge with folks you know easy that's fantastic um now you said that this was going to be the end of documentaries, the ones you're doing now. So yeah. moving forward, what would be your dream passion project that you would like to do next, other than yeah. the wedding? <laughs> well, it's a couple. You know, it's a couple. Okay. Um, uh -huh. It's a couple of joints. You know, documentaries all have a place in my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just taking a break because I want to do some some narrative stuff. You know, really, what I wanted to really become a filmmaker and make films was to do like supernatural horror films you know suspense thrillers and things like that science fiction so i want to you know do something like that i want to do a couple of those type of projects we actually got the rights to a couple of cool scripts and dope scripts so we want to develop those after we finish up these last few documentaries so and i'll definitely be reaching out to you you know if yeah you i'm like we need to do a something. comedy i really want to do a comedy well oh. we kind of got we got but, i mean sci-fi i love too so right. count me on that yeah we got some where we're going to shoot. We actually shot it. We shot like a sample piece a couple of months ago, and we were going to pitch it as a TV show. But we said, man, let's go ahead and just do it as a feature. So we're going to do something. We're going to try to do it guerrilla style during COVID in September in New York. This one film. So we're going to do it like, you know, two people mostly, one location. And um, it's called A Saintly Madness. So it's, it's a real dope project. So we're going to do that. But once COVID kind of is over with and we can actually have a real crew and more cast, I'll definitely be reaching out to you. We, we got a whole bunch of projects that we got. Uh, that I might be reaching learning. out to you, Zooming, to learn more about behind the film. I mean, or behind yeah. the camera stuff too, because I know we had talked before about doing something and I didn't have the courage then, but now yeah. I'm like, what do I got to lose? Might as well try Yeah, it. you just got to do it. Um, <laughs> like, I didn't know, I didn't know, honestly, before I did Wilmington on Fire, right. even during doing Wilmington on Fire, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, all stuff, all stuff I learned was trial and error and talking to folks mm -hmm. that w had a little bit more knowledge than me and also different podcasts out there as well. Great podcasts. Oh, what's some um, of the ones you listen to? Um, indie, indie Film Hustle. Indie Film Hustle. 
No, it's a great is one. It, is it with oh, a Y or IE? IE. Okay. Yeah, hold on. D. Yeah, IndieFilmHustle.com. Um, it's a great, great resource. Um, Alex Ferrari is the guy uh, who, who's behind it. Great stuff. Um, and a lot of that stuff is free. You know, he has a book for sale that's co pretty cool, too. But his whole thing is, is the stuff that I like to hear about filmmakers becoming independent and entrepreneurial, where, you know, you can make money and thrive off of your films. And that's why I try to really preach that into filmmakers' heads um, also. So that's why I'm a fan of his stuff, because he's always addressing those topics and those issues of filmmakers taking the control back, you know, into their hands and really start monetizing their own projects. Well, I know Rhonda just posted, hopefully I can be of assistance to the project you all do. So yeah, reach out to her because she's she's definitely a mover and a shaker. She makes cool. She's, she's yeah, tell me, North Carolina native as she well. can text me. Tell her to text me. Like I'll get my number. You don't want to no, on that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, for all I know, that's the number I have. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, well, this has been great. It's seven oh one. I don't want to. I want to be um, mindful of your time and so on. And I really appreciate you being my guest again on the E Spot. I really Thank appreciate you. it, and I look forward to everything that you're going to be doing in the future. And I just realized I misspelled your name and. Uh, added an extra e so sorry about that <laughs> it's cool it's cool a lot of people <laughs> made that mistake it's yeah, cool okay oh, okay okay yeah i'm not i'm not one of the people that just get all upset i know some people like that like ah oh, you misspelled my name i hate you don't ever call me no no it ain't people I'm make mistakes so yeah yeah people make mistakes man it's cool it's no big deal okay because okay. i know you're on your way of becoming like the next jordan peel and uh, <laughs> you got that i wish at the end <laughs> i <laughs> well, wish also got that sci-fi show coming soon Something Motocraft. Oh, I can't think of the well, name. Lovers Craft or something. Yeah, there you go. Lovers Craft. Lovecraft or something. Yeah, well, you know, I had I a hairstylist on from that show a, um, cool. a week or so ago, and she was really cool. So. Well, I gotta, I gotta get you. I gotta hook you up with uh, um, this young one, this young lady um, who I executive produced. Um, I financed her short film. It's a sci-fi short. It's called the uh, the Black Baptism. I'll send you a screener. Uh, and yeah. she's here. Yeah, we uh, we screened it at the Haytai Heritage Festival. We, we premiered it there packed house and we had a couple more screenings coming up but COVID canceled the festival so i think i was planning to see it at one of those festivals that's yeah. why it sounds so familiar oh, yeah we produced that yeah we my company produced that and everything and uh stephanie diane ford is, is the filmmaker it's a great it's a great yeah. project it's a sci-fi short it's, it's real cool so i, I gotta connect you guys please because i'll go ahead and let you in on a secret i've been trying to get as many people that i wouldn't normally be able to get on my yeah. show if it wasn't covid first but i've been spraying right, right, right. my own friends within them to try to make sure right. they got you know they got the views from people that might actually be able to make some changes right, and make, right. make things happen right, right. i want north Carolina i'm definitely to i'm definitely gonna hook you up though with the uh with, with uh, the person i was telling you about off air um <sighs> once that gets finalized out there because he can promote the screening that we're going to do as well. So we'll, we'll set that up once it becomes final. Thank you, Christopher. No, and congratulations no again. That's exciting. <laughs> you guys have a date yet or too early to tell? Yeah, it's too early. Okay, <laughs> right yeah. Now. Plus, you got to know when things are open, yeah. Yeah, we don't know what's going on right now. So we might do something just spur of the moment, small, in yeah. a few months. So we might wait to next year. We'll see. We're just taking it one day at a time right now. I just had to get that proposal out of the way. That was... Yeah. That was uh, taking time, you know. She was she was always looking at her watch, you know. When is it coming? 
I always think of um, that movie, uh, My Cousin Vinny. She's like, my clock is ticking. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I didn't have that problem. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was more or less, ooh, maybe today. Yeah, I got today off. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, well, thanks again for being my guest. I look forward to seeing everything you have going on. And don't forget to send me the link for June 26th. I think you said we're 25th. 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 Yeah, 25th. yeah. Yeah. And so we can all watch together because you're going to be like commentating during it, right? So we're doing a Q&A afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to do, yeah, I'm going to do it afterwards. And it's going to be up for a week. And then we're going to do another Q&A. The following week with Larry, with Larry Thomas as well. So we might, and we also we might have a celebrity moderator as well for my Q and A. Oh, you're so calling we'll me a on. celebrity? <laughs> yeah, I just threw myself in there. I'm saying that if you want to, we can talk now. I'm saying if you okay. want to do, if you want to get down what we're doing, be a moderator, we can talk about it. I would you know, love for future you. projects, you know, absolutely. Especially the, uh, the the other the other screening that we have. I was telling you about so. If you want to be a moderator? Please and right. thank you. We'll talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. We're actually looking for a pay. moderator for that one. Perfect. We're looking so, for one. Well, now you don't have to right, look cool. anymore. All right, cool. All right. Oh, great. Well, thanks so much again, Christopher, and I'll see you around and we'll talk off air again. All cool. right. Thank you for being so awesome and thanks for being my guest. And I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure. Have a great night. You too. What a great, every time I talk to him, I always learn so much and just reiterates the point or the purpose that we definitely have to get out to vote. If your town or where you live is in primaries, because there's still so many different primaries this month, please, please beg your friends, beg your family members to get out to vote or go ahead and fill out the paperwork to get an absentee balance so you can mail in your vote by think June 9th is the next one. So it might be too late for that since it's June 5th. I don't know, but maybe your mail's fast. Uh, go ahead and get, make sure you're voting, make sure you're involved, make sure you find out what's going on locally. Because if you don't have the right people in office, they're never going to let the laws and legislation that will affect us on a local level, on a daily level through, if you don't have people that are going to speak for you or at least have your interest in heart. So again, um, thanks for being my well, I'm hanging out with me tonight on the e-spot. I cannot wait for you guys. Next week is going to be amazing. I'm going to go ahead and get another there. I don't know if you've seen this book, but the author of this book is going to be here next week. He's going to be my guest Tuesday. I am so excited. As you can see, I've already been like tapping different things because um, there's so many great uh, models that are in part of that, like Veronica Webb, Naomi Campbell, um, Alec Weck, uh, um, Roshamba, um, Beth Ann Hardison, so many different people, like just everyone that's ever modeled that was that is black. He has a he has a story about them telling how their experiences, how they got where they are. Well, he'll be my Tuesday guest Monday. Sorry, I kind of jumped ahead to Tuesday, but Monday I'll have um, Denise Caldwell, who is a style expert. You've seen her on Dr. Oz on Good Morning America. She's done lots of morning shows where she's done um, showing women how to dress for their body type. So she's going to give us some advice now that we're going from COVID to phase two, or maybe you're still home and want to look super fresh for your Zooms. She's going to give us some advice for that. Then uh, Marcellus Reynolds, Supreme Models. 
he has been on everything. He's been on every red carpet. Um, I'm pretty sure he was with Joan Rivers a few times uh, for, I am blanking on the name of the show. Oh my gosh. But you know what I'm talking about, where they would talk about the women or women and men, their outfits for red carpet, whether or not it was a good look or bad look. He's one of those guys that would share and he likes to name names as well. So I can't wait for him to be here on Tuesday. And he's got a whole new Instagram initiative where he's helping people learn how to become a model and giving advice for that. So definitely check him out on Instagram. Marcellus, he's got the coolest little um, Instagram name. It's like Marky Mark, but it's spelled differently because his name is with a Q on there, I do believe. And um, so he's my Tuesday guest. Wednesday, I have models. Oh, no. Wednesday is um, Hope Noel, who is the owner and creator of Hotte Trade, which is an app that you can post your designer clothing that you no longer wear, and you can exchange it with someone else. Like you guys can make trade deals where there's, instead of maybe having a closet full of things that, oh, I've already worn it. I've already seen, been seen it a million times. You can trade it for another one or even your Louis Vuitton purse or Christian Dior, Chanel, whatever. That's the app for you. So she'll be here Wednesday talking about style. And she's also has this initiative that she's doing because so many people have been looting and getting all these name band products. She doesn't want that to end up being like blood fashions where people are selling those to uh, all these different platforms that do reselling to make sure that those stolen items don't end up being of profit. So she's going to be my Wednesday guest. Then Thursday, I have model and actor. He's been in several fashion weeks. His name is Sergio Devanche. He was in um, John Wick 3. He's my guest on Thursday. And then Friday, I have singer. Well, she's an opera singer, hip hop opera singer, and I'm not talking Beyonce. Uh, this is Sharice Mills. She'll be my guest Friday. So next week is all fashion themed from entertainment side for the fashionistas in your life that may enjoy that. Make sure they know, share it with a friend, share it with some family, let them know what's coming up next week because they're definitely going to love it. Now you guys have a wonderful weekend. I, thank you for hanging out with me tonight, and I will see you again on Monday at six o'clock.